And don't, one of the things that I'm trying to do more and more each and every day, and I think I talked about it on Sunday morning, we've got to remember the joy of the Lord is our strength. And just be joyous. Look to God. Be thankful for all that He's done in your life and keep your eyes on Him. And it's a blessing. It's a good thing. And I want to thank you for being here tonight. And those who are watching online, thanks for being here too. And something, those of you online, that I want you to start doing for me. I want you to start commenting that you're watching. I want to, one of the things, one of the hard things as a pastor, especially during this time, is God gives you a flock to pastor, correct? And right now, you don't know how some of that flock is doing. And so, if you're watching, just comment on there, hey, pastor, I'm watching. That would be a good thing. And so I hear some churches that have opened up, and they have record attendance, more people coming. I hear some that have half, the, or half their attendance coming back, like us or somewhere in there. And God knows it all. We want to stay focused on Him, and we want to be growing. That's what we need this time and around. And some of you saw that mouse on there. Joe's just messing around back there just a little bit. Take our Bibles tonight to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. If you didn't get an outline tonight, you'd like a copy. In the outline there, there's some spots for some notes where I'm actually going to show you how to study the Bible a little bit tonight and break this down a little bit for you. Does anybody, Johnny, if you stand up and go to the back and see if anybody, if you need a copy of the notes for tonight, or I guess we could see if anyone needs them. Russ and Joyce, so grab a few, Johnny, put, pass those out. Also on the back table, since you're back there, are a copy of all the mission letters. Do you want to grab those and pass those out? First time passing out missions letters in a few months. That's a good thing. And so it sounds like a lot of our missionaries are going through the same exact same things we're going through here, except they have it there. So if you want a copy of the missions thing or the other, slip your hand up. And so I think up here, Russ and Joyce, and then Gary and Johnette needed probably the missions thing right there. All right. And everyone else already has the notes, or you don't care to have the notes, and that's fine. And then another thing, if you're watching online, if you would like a copy of the notes, put that there too, so I know you want a copy of the notes, and I'll get you a copy. And I'll even have the answers filled in for you if I'm in a good mood. So, Psalm 119, we've been talking about, last week we started, about getting spiritually fit. You know, for our bodies, we'll go on hikes, we'll lift weights, pump iron, do donut curls and eat your donuts, right, Jay? Isn't that how that goes? And, uh, and so, but over the past several months, I've talked about the fact how I've worked to get a little bit more physically fit. But what we're talking about here at church is not being physically fit. We're talking about being spiritually fit. Last week, we looked at discipline. And if you weren't here last week, I would go online, I'd watch that, and there's some great principles, great truths that were given last week about discipline and some things that Paul taught us. Tonight we're in Psalm 119, and this is the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's all about the Word of God. It's a great chapter, and we're not going to read the whole thing tonight. We're going to read one verse, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to study through this section. And so Psalm 119, look down at verse number 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Let's read that one more time. We see there's a question that is asked. The question is, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And the answer to the question is, by taking heed thereto according 
to thy word. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. We love you and we need you. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace. We thank you for the Bible tonight. And I pray tonight that as we study this passage of Scripture, that you do a work in our hearts and our lives. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Getting fit spiritually. As I mentioned last week, we looked at discipline. And it takes discipline to be a disciple because I said last week, spiritual growth is intentional. It's not automatic. Tonight we look at the Bible. And if you are going to get spiritually fit, there is no point in trying if this book is not part of it. This book is the most important part of all of it. You, you know, you think about you try to lose weight or you try to do different things. You gotta, if you're going to lose weight, you probably got to go on a diet. Or if you're going to pump iron and get some muscles, you need weights, right? There are certain things that you need. And in order to get spiritually fit, you must have the Word of God. The Word of God is paramount and so important, but sometimes I feel that we Christians in Christianity lose sight of how important the Bible really is. Because we hear it often, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. And then we don't. And then we hear, read our Bible, read our, oh, pastor, you always talk about reading. But if you want to grow, you need to be reading it, you need to be meditating on it, you need to be memorizing it. There are so many things that are so important, and just as you physically try to get fit if you're going to get spiritually fit the bible is very important and probably i would say of the utmost importance when we look at this psalm psalm 119 this psalm is an acrostic to us it doesn't really appear this way in english before your eyes but the writer used 20 the 22 letters of the hebrew alphabet as his guide and some of you will notice in your bible there the first eight verses right above it mine says aleph and then it says Beth, and so that is the Hebrew alphabet, every letter going through all 22, and they are eight-verse stanzas, and each verse is a particular stanza begins with, the same, with that Hebrew letter, or yeah, whatever letter that is. And so verse 1 through 8, as we see here, all begin with the letter Aleph, and then 9 through 16, Beth, and you go through Gimel and go through the rest of those, but I don't want to feel like I'm back in Bible college. And Hebrew was a tough class. That was quite a tough one. And um, it was like learning a completely different language. It was crazy. But this psalm is an acrostic. It also, almost every verse contains a direct um, reference to the Bible. If you look through just the first few verses, you see the word law in verse number one. You see testimony in verse number two. Ways in verse number three. And precepts in verse number four, statutes in verse number five, commandments in verse six, um, judgments in verse seven, statutes verse eight. And you see almost every single verse of all these 176, you see the word of God is mentioned throughout. God uses this psalm to renew your love for the word. If you ever feel blah or kind of bored by the Bible, this psalm is the perfect solution to inspire you to get in the Word of God and to get your appetite wet for the Word of God. Charles Spurgeon tells the story, it's an amusing story, about a man by the name of George Wishart, the first Episcopal bishop of Edinburgh, who during the 1600s was sentenced to death by hanging. He came to the day of his execution hoping for a pardon that had not arrived yet. It was a custom in those days to allow a condemned man to call for the singing of a psalm 
before he was put to death. The bishop stalled for time, calling for the singing of Psalm 119. And as the story goes, before they hit verse 100, the pardon arrived and uh, George was spared. Thus does God use his word to deliver his servants. And it's my prayer that as we read it tonight, it will do a work in our hearts in a different way than it did for George, but for us as well. As we dive in tonight, this is going to look more, this is more like a workshop almost at the beginning here. We're going to break some things down, look at several things. I'm going to try to be as practical as possible and then applicable and apply it at the end and we'll be done. And so I would say this is a little bit unusual type of sermon for me, but I don't know if there is a usual or a normal type of sermon. So where is going with it, how it is. Some steps that we need to take in order to saturate ourselves with the Word of God. Are you ready? As you dive into your notes, number one tonight, read the Bible. Read the Word. Read the Word. We have to start here, even though it sounds so simple, right? Just read the Word. And Jesus assumes the fact that believers read the Bible, right? Matthew 21, 16. And he said unto them, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise? See, it's like, haven't you read it? He just assumed that they would have read it, right? And as a Christian, you would assume, and maybe it's not good to assume, but that Christians read the Bible. And as we start here tonight about saturating ourselves with Scripture, it all begins with reading the Word. Let me give you a few practical tips to help you read the Word on a regular basis. Are you ready? Develop the habit of time with God. Get a time. Do you have a time that you spend with God? Is there a certain, and you should have a time, because this is what happens. If you don't put it in your calendar or put it in your daily schedule, you're probably going to miss it. Develop the habit of time with God. Do you have a time? Don't answer it out loud. Sometimes I think I ask questions and then some people will answer. I ask it's a rhetorical question for you to answer in your head to yourself. I don't want to get you to get convicted or everyone think that you're a big sinner or something like that, but do you have a time? Think right now with me. What is your time? Those of you who have a time probably read your Bible this morning. Those of you who don't have a set time probably didn't read it. And some of you are thinking, well, pastor, my time is at 9 o'clock tonight. Well, at least you have a time and you'll probably read it at 9 o'clock tonight. But you must develop the habit of time with God. It takes about 17 times of doing something to create a habit. And we are very good at creating bad habits, right? And, uh, you know, biting fingernails or different things, bad habits, drinking Dr. Pepper, I don't know. But it takes about 17 times, and that's why it's so important. Just start doing it. Get a time. And we have, we have no excuse nowadays. We have phones. We have all sorts of things. Set a timer on your phone. You know, 8 o'clock in the morning, that's my time. Let the timer go off, and then do it right then. Or, you know, some of us, we set the timer, it goes off, oh, I'll do it in a minute, and then we forget about it. you got to develop the habit of time with God. It's so important. It may be in the morning, it may be at night, it may be in the middle of the day. And one of the things, one of the things I heard growing up a lot 
was give God the first few minutes of your day. Give him the very first minutes. Now, some of you, how many of you, the best part of your day is right when you wake up and you're just alert, ready to charge this world? Anybody like that? Yeah, you're weird, okay? I get that. And uh, that's not me. Maybe an hour or two after I get up, my brain starts working. For me, in all honesty, the best time for me is late at night. It's weird. Um, and so, yeah, that could be too, right? Drink some coffee or whatever. And maybe in the morning, that's your key. You drink coffee. I think Caroline does that. It might get her brain stimulated and going in the morning. But it does not, some, and I, one of the things that helped me a lot when it came to having a time with God, give God your best time. It doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. It doesn't have to be in the, it, just give him the best time. Find a time where you're the most alert and give God that time. That's the best time to give God. Develop the habit of time with God. And secondly there, use a Bible reading plan. Bible reading plans are great. And it, we say, well, what, what's the benefit of a Bible reading plan? It gives you a goal, gives you something to go off of. There are so many today, and so many people have phones. You can download a Bible reading program. And one of the things I love, and uh, let's see if I got my phone up here. I got it somewhere up here. Oh, back here. I had started using this app a while back, and uh, I got several Bible apps. But this one is just um, Uversion. And Uversion, they have so many different plans. And like if, let's say you're a worry wart and you need some help with your worry and stress in your life, they got a Bible ring, a two-week Bible ring plan and it's just verses on worry. And most of them on that version, on that U version, they go to a different, but you can click and change the version that you read off of it. If you, um, if you want to do a Bible, if you want to do just a Bible ring plan on certain things, it's a great tool and use that. Use a Bible ring plan, get one, use it. And then thirdly, start small. I'm going to read the whole Bible through in a week. <laughs> Good for you. You don't read five minutes a day now, and you're going to read it through in a week. I'm going to read a whole book today. Start small. The more you read, the more you'll want to read, and the more you'll grow. The simple act of reading the Word of God would help so many Christians today. So many Christians know very little about the Word of God, and the best way to get to know something about the Word of God is to start reading it. Um, on Sunday nights, we've gone through the books of the Bible, and this week we're on Nahum. And if you say, oh, pastor, as I read through, I just have a hard time. The reason I gave you those handouts, and the reason I do them every week, and maybe you don't have all of them, you tell me what you don't have. I have copies of all the ones that I've done. Make a notebook out of them, and then when you go to read a certain book of the Bible, before you read that book of the Bible, read the sheet and learn whatever you can about that book to help you in that area. And that would be a great little help as you read through the Scripture. And it's so important. We need to read the Word of God. And as we look at number two tonight, as we look at this thing, we see number two, how to saturate ourselves with the Word of God. Not only do we need to read it, we need to feed from the Word of God. We need to feed from the Word of God. We need to dig in and see what God is trying to teach us. And this is what happens. Sometimes we will read it, and then we will read it, and it just ends there. There's got to be a chewing on, a meditation, a studying of the Word, 
I know some of you thought, I quit studying when I got out of school. You should study the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. One of the best things that ever happened to me happened about four years ago. I was teaching at a Bible college, small Bible college, not many students, and they gave me a class. This is your class title. You have, it's a one week between semesters. You have one week to teach this entire course to all the students on how to study the Bible. How to study the Bible. Okay. How do I study the Bible? And I thought about it, went through it. Man, that one, preparing for that one week class with all those students changed everything for me. Um, maybe if you've been around here more than four years, you'll notice my sermons are a little deeper now, maybe. Maybe seem like there's a little bit more material in them because of the way I learned to study, to study, to teach that class. I had to, you know, I've been a pastor for six years and I know how to study the Bible. And I thought to myself, do I really know how to study the Bible? And so I had to take the time and Christian, it's not just, all right, I read... Oh, Psalm 117, oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever, praise you, the Lord. Lord, bless my day, amen, have my devotions, I'm ready to go! Woo! That's not. You need to read the word, but you got to feed on the word. I want to take Psalm 119, verse 9 through 16, and I want to teach you tonight how to feed off the word of God. I'm going to break down these verses for you and study them with you together tonight, okay? Psalm 119, let's read verse number 9 through verse 16. The Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes I will not forget thy word. Now, I gave you those verses. Now, if you have your notes there, you'll notice there are several blank lines in your notes. That's so you can write down some of these tips and things I give you as we go through here. The three-step approach I use for Bible study, which I've stolen from others, is not just, it didn't originate with Brian Pattison. It originated with others, I'm sure, is three things observation, interpretation, and um, <coughs> application. Those three. Let's look at those again. Observation, interpretation, application. Let's look at this passage and break it down. Number one, we see observation. What do I see? There are several things that jump out of this little set of verses, this stanza right here. We see there is one question asked in the passage, and the rest of the verses, the end of verse number 9 through verse 16, explain the answer to 
the question at the beginning of verse number 9. The question here is about a young man. Look what it says. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? The question concerns a young man and his pursuit of purity is what we see here. There are six positive action statements that the psalmist makes. And I want you to see this tonight. He just doesn't sit back and hope for purity in his life. Or maybe that's going to come to him by osmosis. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? No, there are six things that are mentioned in these verses to help us do this. What are those? Well, look at these verses here. It says, look at verse number 10. I sought thee, I seek. Look at verse, look, keep on looking there. I have hidden thine word in my heart. He hid it. I declare all thy judgments of thy mouth. I rejoice in the way of thy testimonies. I will meditate in thy precepts. I will delight myself in thy statutes. How is a young man going to keep himself clean? Six things those verses tell us. You see those right before our eyes. I'm going to seek the word of God. I've hidden it in my heart. I recount or I declare all thy judgments. I rejoice in the way of thy testimonies. I meditate in thy precepts. And I delight in thy statutes. Six ways to keep yourself clean through the word of God. Do you see those there? That's an observation made. And you'll notice that those are six things he says he does, but emphatically, one time he says, there's one thing I will not do. Can someone tell me what that is in those verses? What will he not do? Not wander from his, well, he's asking there, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Look at the end of verse 16. Same thing. But I will not forget thy word. So you see the, the one strong statement that the psalmist says he won't do, I won't neglect, I won't forget your word. So as we look here and we see this, think with me. Six actions to help. Seek, uh, seek his word, hide it in your heart, declare it, rejoice in it, meditate upon it, delight in it, and then one thing I will not do, I will not neglect your word. I will not forget thy word. Now, as we go through these verses, there are also two things, as we're observing, right? There are two requests that the psalmist makes to God. Joyce mentioned one of those, but there's another one as well. Can someone find the other one? So you have, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. And what's the other one? Teach me thy statutes. Teach me thy statutes. What does that tell me? Look at that. Don't let me wander from your commandments. Do you know what that tells me? That we will wander on our own. That's why we're requesting not to wander from his commandments. The other thing I see is it says, teach me your statutes which means we have to be taught. Do you see those there? Observation. It's just looking at the scriptures. 
and it's important. But this is what we do. We read the Bible somewhere like, we're good, I'm good. There's more to just reading the Bible. You must read it, but you must feed yourself with it. Observation is important. What do you see? So let me, read, let me just remind you what we see here. We see here the six actions to seek, to hide it, to declare it or recount it, to rejoice, to meditate, and to delight. The one thing that the psalmist will not do, he's not going to forget God's word. He requests two things from God. Don't let me wander from your commandments, which means we'll wander on our own. And teach me your statutes, that means we need to be taught. And one last thing I noticed as I observed this passage. Is everyone doing okay? Have I lost anybody? Okay. Do you notice the order of those six steps? Seeking, hiding it in your heart. We keep on going through there. Declare it, rejoice in it, meditate upon it, and then you delight. Do you see how delight comes after you make the determination and after you seek, hide it, recount it, rejoice and meditate in it? Then you delight in it. There's an order. And one of the things I know with the Lord is he doesn't ever put things by mistake in a certain spot. There's always a meaning to what he does. Like on Sunday morning, I preached a message, and I gave you the things, the joy of the Lord is our strength, things that Christians can join in. I didn't have a specific order. I just gave you a list A through G. I didn't have a specific in order this way. The Lord, when he puts things a certain way, there's a reason behind it. So when we feed on the word, it begins with observation. These are the things, and what does that mean? It means you take a good look at it. And honestly, Christian, what it means is you just spend time in the Word. You observe it, which leads to number two, which is interpretation. What does it say? What does it say? Well, what I see here is, and some people might say differently, and that's the one, that's the beautiful thing about the Lord. My interpretation of what the Lord gives me might be a little bit different than what he gives you. You need to make sure it's biblically based, what you give from it. And you know, I got a private interpretation from God about this that no one's ever gotten before. And wow, I just, and normally when you say, I learned something that no one's, I've never heard of it before, that's probably something you might not want to go down that road or ask someone else and see. But when I make, this is what I wrote down when I looked through this passage. We see, as it says here, in order, we see there in verse number nine, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And this is what it says, By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Taking heed means to keep guard. And it's used, it's like a protective hedge is what it stands for. So if I, what I wrote down was this, if I'm going, in order to live according to God's word, I need to, verse 16, I need delight in his word. If I'm going to live his word, I must love his word. That's what I got from there. You might see something different, that's totally fine. And what I love is, and interpretation when we look at this, 
The Bible says here, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Taking heed, keeping guard, it was used as a protective hedge. And I got thinking, and this isn't really part of my notes for tonight, but I, a few weeks ago I heard a statistic. I heard, actually, I heard a pastor talk about it. And I heard right now that divorce lawyers are making a heyday right now because there's so much divorce because of what's gone on the past several months. And a lot of adultery happening, things of that nature. And I thought I would just take this verse, because this verse explains quite a bit. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. We talk about a hedge, a protective hedge. I use the word in my life, I use a standard in my life. That's the word I use instead of a protective hedge. A standard. People sometimes have a problem with standards and convictions. They don't like those words. And I hear a lot of Christians nowadays that don't like standards and things of that nature. This is what we have. God has given us biblical principles, correct, in his word? And for each of us and for myself, we have biblical principles and we need to establish that protective hedge to help us keep the biblical principle. So in my life, I use the word standard. You use hedge, you use whatever you want. But there are things in my life that I do to keep the biblical principle. So the biblical principle here is, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. If Brian is going to stay pure in his marriage, and if Brian was going to stay pure as a young man, I must have biblical principles that are set up to guide me so I do what's right. Do you see that? You see it right there before you? And you might not like hearing that, but it's true. It's needed. Just some thoughts around that thing. You, you think about in our sex-crazed culture, these are some healthy standards we as Christians can have. The first one is this, and men, I'm talking more to you because I wrote this for myself. I didn't write this for the ladies, but it could apply for both. But the first one's this, make a covenant with your eyes to be pure. What did Job say in Job 31.1? I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Make a covenant to God. A pastor, friend, well, a pastor friend of mine, an older gentleman, Lord, he's 94 years old. He wrote me a couple weeks ago. And I called him, and he calls me one of his son Timothy's in the Lord. And he was my pastor's pastor. Just a great, great old man. I love him. Before I started pastoring, I got to go to, out to lunch with him. And he sat me down. He said, two things are going to ruin you in ministry. Money and women. Every single time it's money or women, either one or both. He said, before he ever became a pastor, 50-something years, 60 years before, he said, I told God, I made a covenant with God, that if I looked on a woman, I wanted God to kill me. He's like, and you should do the same thing. I haven't forgotten that to this day. Make a covenant with your eyes to be pure. That's Bible. 
That's setting a standard up, a protective hedge so that you stay clean. Get an accountability partner. Put a web blocker on your computer. That's one I listed there. There are others out there. So, but why would I do that? Because you might, it's to protect you. There's a few others on there. You can go to the next slide there. And uh, when you think about this, watch what you watch. And be careful what you watch. Look at it. Do you realize your kids could see it? Be careful what you watch. Keep an eye on what your children watch. Be careful what movies are played in your house, what music, what television shows, what video games, all of those things. And then as you get teenagers and young people that have cell phones, which they shouldn't have cell phones, I'll say that till I'm dead. I don't, till they need it. When they start working and other things, I totally get it. They need it in different things. But in my years as a pastor, the number one issue teenagers have is their cell phone. And maybe teenage, maybe, you know, and maybe it's, and a lot of times it's late at night as well. Maybe that's just where parents say, hey, at night on the dining room table, that's where your phone goes. But how am I supposed to wake up in the morning? You get an alarm clock. Isn't that an amazing thing? <laughs> but it's on my phone. You'd be amazed. How many of our teenagers stay up till 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and mom and dad have no clue about it? But staying pure, check your teenagers' texts once a week. Check what they text. Don't let them delete their... How do you know if they delete them or not? At the end of the day, I'm sure you can figure out a way to figure that all out. I'm not that smart. But I wouldn't let my teens delete their messages. As their parent, I should be able to see anything I want. I should be able to go into my child's room when I want. They live in my house, right? And it's my job to keep my house right and doing right. And if the kid doesn't like that, they can go sleep outside or in the garage. And even then, I'll still check it if they're in the garage. Say, Pastor, that's good, bold preaching. I know I don't even have teenagers yet. I hope I do it when I have teenagers. It's one thing to say before you got teenagers. It's a whole other thing to do once you got teenagers. And uh, I pray I do it. But another thing, be vigilant about practicing modesty in how you and your children dress. You want to keep, keep someone pure? How about you dress right? Not just the ladies, but the men as well. Be modest. And a, a, very, simple, a very simple way, modesty means flowing and orderly. That's all that it means. Orderly. If something you wear accentuates a part of your body and that is noticeable, you are immodest and you're wrong for wearing it. I'll be as nice as I can. I do not think I can find a bathing suit anywhere that's modest. I could try, but I can't. And it shouldn't be worn. Your body belongs to God and you should be modest in what you wear. How would it be if I went out tomorrow and just didn't wear a shirt all day? People would need their sunglasses on to begin with. That would be rough for them. But what am I going to be doing? I'm going to be drawing attention to my belly all day long. <laughs> and you say, well, why would you do that? And I, I have no reason to. But it's immodest. And 
we're, remember we're talking about wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. So a standard, a good hedge, is to be careful in what you wear. And may I just remind you, I hear often, you know, it's that woman and what she wore. No, you, you just keep your eyes pure, okay, buddy? Yeah, don't, don't blame anybody else. It's not anybody else's fault for your sin. You can blame yourself for your sin, okay? And be vigilant in these things. And it got awful quiet in here when I got to these things, didn't it? You could teach your children, as we talk about these things, teach your children to resist. Psalm 119.37, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Vanity is things that are vain. They're, they're empty, empty things. And Proverbs 1.10, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And if that doesn't work, teach them to be like Joseph and to just put on your shoes and get out of the house. Flee also youthful us. So there's a lot of great standards and principles you can have, and these are good things. But as we look at these things, it's a good thing to be pure and to do those things. And so as we look tonight, we've just looked at a couple of verses. We need to read the Bible. We need to feed on it. We observe. There's several things that we observed. Then there's the interpretation. And there's a lot of interpretation. There's room for a lot more interpretation there. But make sure it's a God. And one of the things that I try to do before I go to studying the Word of God is I pray, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. The Holy Spirit is the writer of the Bible, right? Is, I think we can say that. So he knows it. He knows it better than we ever could. And ask him to help you as you study it to get something from it. And then this is the whole thing. You can observe it all you want. You can interpret it all you want, but it does you no good unless you apply it. Application is so important. Application is so important. And that leads us to application. As we look at application here, and as we get to the end here tonight, I want to give you a couple thoughts. What's the application here? And uh, let me see. Let me see if I skipped something. I didn't grab those notes that I gave you, so I think I skipped something. Just hold on a second. So let's go back to, we're not going to get to application yet. We're going to wait for a second. We're going to finish up under, um, see, that's what happens when you go away from your notes and you just do your own thing. Eradicate empty efforts. What's that from? That was, that was last week. That was point number three from last week, so... Remember, you need to eradicate your empty efforts. And uh, that was from last week. God must have wanted you to know that one again, okay? So you get that one again. Thanks, Jay, for reminding us of that. He probably prayed to the Lord, Lord, should this slide stay? And God told him to have that slide stay. And so that was his interpretation of this tonight. And uh, when we look at this and it, we interpret it, I just gave you some thoughts about purity. But when we talk about that interpretation, what should I do? The Bible's clear here. What are some things that we should do? Do you have that slide there? What should I do? Yeah, okay, interpretation, what does it say? Number one, what, should, what I should do. What should I do? We talked about the six things earlier. Well, let's run through them real quick. The Bible says there, I, with my whole heart have I sought thee. So I will seek God with my whole heart. No half-hearted or slack spiritually allowed. 2 Chronicles 15:15 15, 15, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath 
For they had sworn with all their hearts and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. So interpretation, as we look at this, the first thing is I will seek God with all my heart. Not just partially, not half-heartedly. I'm going to give God everything I got. The next one here, I will memorize God's word. I will memorize God's word. Check out what happens as a result of hiding God's word in our heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. John Wesley explains it this way. He says, I have laid it upon my mind like a choice treasure to be ready upon all occasions to counsel, quicken, or caution me. You memorize God's word to help you in those moments. I've had in my office, I'll do some counseling. I've had people come to me and we'll use, someone will come to me and they have a porn problem. Not everyone who visits me does, but every once in a while that's the case. One of the verses that I try and, I get them to try and memorize some scripture. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the intent, and I forgot the last few words there, but you get my drift. The thought is casting down. And one of the things that I do, and I scare them every time when I do this, I will take, and what do I have here that I'm not going to break? Uh, I'll just take this. This will be all right. So I say, in my office, I'll be like, the verse says casting down, and, I, and they jump. I throw something at them. Sticks in their mind. When that thought comes in here, cast it down. When anything comes in your mind that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, you cast it down. You get that verse inside, it will help you. I remember as a young man, as a teenager, certain things I struggled with, my parents would have me write scripture verses and memorize verses. And didn't always like it. In fact, I got carpal tunnel today, and I know it's from all the verses I wrote as a teenager. I know it is. I, I honestly do. I honestly believe that with all. I write one letter now, my, I just, I got to stop, and I know, thanks a lot, mom and dad. But anyways, after a while, it started working. Whoso keepeth his mouth, keepeth his life, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. When you hide God's word inside, you're not going to sin as much because those verses are going to help you do what's right. So you're going to seek God with all your heart. That's going to help you do what's right and stay pure. You're going to memorize God's word. Next, I will declare all thy judgments of thy mouth. This word means to enumerate and go over repeatedly. Like we do when our favorite sports teams win, we go over it and over it and see Sports Center and watch this and that. We must learn the message, live the message, and then give the message. That's what the Bible talks about with parents are supposed to do to their children. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest in the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. It's a continual thing. That's what it means here. I will declare all thy judgments. That's exactly what it's talking about. Next, I will rejoice in the way of thy testimonies. There's joy that comes as we're obedient to God. The next one there, and we're running out of time tonight, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. In Eastern meditation, the goal is to empty the mind 
But biblical meditation involves filling the mind with the Word of God. So if you're a sound, hmm, cross your legs, you're supposed to clear the mind out. Biblical meditation, taking a verse, just keeping it in here. And as a cow chews its cud, you just keep chewing on it, and you keep chewing on it, and you keep chewing on it. And then I will delight in thy statutes. If we're honest, sometimes we don't delight in the word of God like we should. And we need to do better in that. And then we see the fact, the negative, as we talk about the thing, as we talked about earlier, the things that I won't do, this interpretation, the thing I won't do, I will not forget thy word. The word forget means to mislay or be oblivious to. We're to read and feed on the word of God. And as we look at this, and I love the psalmist here, he makes, he says, he makes a resolution, determination. I'm not going to forget your word. Think about it this way. I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm not going to let it collect dust. I'm not going to neglect it. Amos 8, verse 11 and 12, and they shall wander from the sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. As we look at that verse there and as we think about that, I wonder how, what we would really do if we lost our Bible and didn't have it. You have it. Don't neglect it. Don't forget it. Don't be oblivious to it. And then, as we talk about interpretation there, the third thing is, what do I need from God? Well, we saw these requests already, and I'm just going to give them to you real quick. Keep me from straying. Found in verse number 10. Kind of like that song, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Hey, Lord, keep me from wandering. And then the second thing there is, teach me from the scriptures. We see it in verse number 12 there, blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Now as we close tonight, you say, close, Pastor, you got two minutes and you got nine things to give us. You'll be fine, we'll get all nine of these in, we're good. You're still with me? Did I lose anybody yet? We've seen the observation, we've seen the interpretation, and now we look at the application. What can I see? What can I do? So as we look at this, the first one is, number one, read areas of the Bible that are easier to understand first. Get started. So many Christians, so many Christians I hear so often, I'm just going to start in Genesis, and I'm going to go all the way through. And Genesis is pretty good for a little bit. And then really till Exodus, the end of Exodus, and then Leviticus is like, um, what did I get myself into? Read areas of the Bible that are easier to understand at first. Let me give you a couple hints. If you have not read the Bible much, start with the Gospels. I start with the book of John. You could start in another one if you want, but start with the Gospels. The Gospels are pretty easy to, easier to understand. 
Start with the gospel. Start in the book of John. Something else you can do. Psalms are great to read. And uh, also the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Find whatever day it is of the month. Day is the 29th. Read Proverbs chapter 29. Read easier areas at first. The more you read, the more you're going to want to read. And I'm not, and let me just, let me say this for you. Some people get so bent out of shape. I need to read through my Bible. I really don't care if you read through your Bible in a year. Because some people just want to be able to say at the end of the year, I read my Bible through in a year. And if that's why you do it, you miss the whole point. You read the Word of God to change your life. That's why you read the Bible. And sometimes, and I, quality is better than quantity. Don't ever forget that. Quality is better than quantity. Just start reading in an easy spot and go from there. Get the sermon notes on Sunday nights. Use that as you read the other books of the Bible. Because if you go through, you know, like this week, Nahum, the book of Nahum. What, is there a lot that you could say? The book of Nahum is the finishing up of the book of Jonah. It's the judgment that comes upon the Syrians. They go kind of together. You know how Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed? Well, about 100 years later, it happened. So the end of the story is found in Nahum. But if you don't know that, you read Nahum, you're like, what in the world's going on? But if you just take the notes I give you, you can help yourself out there. Right? Anyway, so start there. Read areas number two. Guard against familiarity fatigue. We do this with hymns. We do this with the Bible. You know, a famous passage, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But sometimes we get so familiar with certain, we get fatigued from it, and it's, that's such a wonderful verse. Such a wonderful passage. Don't let that happen to you. Um, Charles Spurgeon, in his Treasures of David, he lists eight marks of true love for the Word of God. And he gave these, I'm just going to run through them quickly, but reverence for the authority of God's word, admiration for its holiness, jealousy for its honor, respect for all that it says, diligence in the study of it, eager desire to obey it, readiness to praise it, great desire to share it with others. Don't ever let this, don't grow fatigued in this thing. There is no book like the Bible. For over 40 different human authors in 1,600 years, and it doesn't, it doesn't contradict itself one time. It's all truth. It's a powerful book. It changes lives. Don't grow weary of it. Don't let fatigue set in. Oh, I got to read my Bible. No, you get the wonderful privilege to be able to read the Bible. Because there are many people in many different places that don't have that opportunity. Number three, and we got to hurry up, bring your Bible to church. Bring your Bible to church. And you can, and that's, that's my own point right there. If you don't agree with me, whatever, this is not a Bible, okay? It's not. If it works for you, use it. To me, give me this thing. Bring it, use it. And you say, well, I like using this. Then use it. If you want to use it on the screen, you want to use this, do it whatever, whatever's best for you. For me, I would bring my Bible to church. But it's not, you know, it's one of those things, that's me. And sometimes you hear pastors preach their preferences. That's my preference. If you want to do it a different way, I just think it's good to bring a Bible to church. Just thought there. Next one, number four, memorize the Word of God. 
you're serious about seeking purity in your life, one of the best things to have victory is to memorize it. And this is what I hear all the time. I can't memorize God's word. I'm too old, or I'm this or that. I've never been able to memorize. And we could play your favorite rock and roll song, and you could sing the entire thing to me. You can, but sometimes you've got to get a little creative in how you do it. And the way I memorize is not going to be the way you memorize. We me- memorize differently. For me, I'll take a verse, and I'll take five words, and I say those five words about 50 times. And then I add five more words, and then I'll add more until that's how I do it. Help me do it. You might do it differently, whatever the case may be, but memorize the Word of God. It will be a blessing and a help in your life. And then number five, meditate on it. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. Billy Graham, his last interview he did before he died, this is what he said. He was asked, so it said if he had an opportunity to live his life over again, what would he do? This is what Billy Graham said. I would study more, I would pray more, travel less, take less speaking engagements, I'd spend more time in meditation and prayer. Next, seek out settings for Bible study. Seek out settings for Bible study. You have a Wednesday night Bible study here at church. Um, We have our men's groups, our women's groups. That's another time. There's all sorts of times. The kids and their kids' programs have those times as well. But have set out times for Bible study. Number seven. I love this one. I got this out of one of the books I was reading. Pass along a used Bible heritage to your children. I, my plan is, and I've got several old Bibles, but by the time my kids get out of the house, I want to give each of them one of Dad's old Bibles that are full of notes, full of things. I want them to see a Bible that came from their dad that their dad actually spent time in. I want that for all four of them. I thought that was a pretty cool idea, so I added it in the notes there. Number eight, is there sin that's keeping you from the Scriptures? It's been said that sin will keep you from this book, and this book will keep you from sin. Someone else said this, all the water of the ocean cannot sink even the smallest ship unless it gets inside. The key to keeping the world out of the boat is by keeping yourself in the Word. So these last two verses, Psalm 19, verse 13, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And then Psalm 119, 133, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. And then lastly, number nine, don't delay to obey. We're getting spiritually fit. We talked about discipline last week. Well, the discipline begins with reading the word of God. You read it, and then you feed on it. You observe it, you interpret it, and you apply it. And in all honesty, every sermon I preach is observation, interpretation, and application. That's how I preach. Changed about four years ago. That's my style. Every, time, every Sunday, you can just plan on it being that way. Observation interpretation, application. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that are found there. We thank you for the Bible. Help us love it. Help us spend time in it. We love you. We praise your precious name. Bless the rest of this week. I pray for our country, and I pray for the world around us. And God, we need you. Pray for Christians to be strong and to stand up for what's right. Help us not to cower in these days, but help us to seek you. And Father, you know tonight there are so many hurting people around us that what they need tonight is what is found in this place. Help us get that to them. Help us be a witness. Help us be the church you've called us to be. We love you. We praise your precious name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.